Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs, and today we're going to start a series of podcasts that we'll be doing right up through the next couple weeks and the draft of the Scott Fishbowl. We we did this format a few times last year, and everyone seemed to enjoy it. The Scott Fishbowl, for those who don't know it, is a league started by Scott Fish. It's the seventh version, and basically this year it's 720 people competing in different divisions. Uh, most of them, or all of them this year, have Disney uh, names, and everyone voted on the names. And it, it really is an honor to be in the Scott Fish Bowl. Last year was my first year. I made the playoffs and lost in the first round, which was a little disappointing, uh, considering I blew my first and my third pick. Uh, I ended up, uh, I, I guess I did about as good as I could do. And uh, this year, hoping to do better. And the way that I run these pods is the great part of everything, I think, and there was just a lot of noise or talk about this on Twitter, is just how great the community is. And Scott, who runs this, is deeply involved with Fantasy Cares. And it's just an honor to be part of the Scott Fishbowl. So what we do is we have episodes where we get three to four different people who will be involved in the Scott Fish Bowl on the pod, get to learn a little bit about them. Uh, some of the people might have been on my pod before. Many of them won't. Many of them will have never been on a podcast before, uh, such as our first guest, who I'm going to introduce now. His name is Chris Allen. He writes for ffcouchcoach.com, a site that I used to write for. And he is a bright young guy, and I'm anxious to uh, introduce him and have him on. Chris, how you doing? Hey, Todd. I'm not doing too bad. I want to say, first and foremost, thanks for uh, bringing me on your podcast. Uh, as you mentioned in the intro, probably many of the people that you're going to have on the podcast, this is their first time doing it, and it's the exact same thing for, for me. This is my first time jumping on a podcast, but... I'm uh, more than excited to sit down and uh, you know talk about fancy football, uh, SFB seven, uh, you know my writing and anything, uh, anything and everything under the sun. More than happy to do it. So thanks again for bringing me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I really get a kick out of it. To be honest, I get just as big a kick out of giving someone their first shot on a podcast as I do having a big name guest on. Uh, it, they're both really cool experiences in different ways. And I, I enjoy them both, and I really do go by the the motto of do unto others as you wish others would do unto you. And when I first started, 
I want, you know, and I still want some of the big name people to give me a shot on their podcast. So it's always my pleasure to give people uh, their start. I think it's exciting, and the enthusiasm that people like yourself bring to the table is, is quite frankly, a joy. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Frollo625, and that's spelled F-R-O-L-O-W. Uh, that's just a childhood nick- nickname that I just didn't have anything else when it came to creativity when I first came up with my uh, my Twitter handle. Uh, so that's where you can find me, and then you can find uh, my work along with some of the other fellows over at uh, Team FFCC over at uh, FantasyCouchCoach.com. Yep. And, you know, it was funny. I saw your name, and I'm like, Frollo, not Frodo? And then I'm like, right. and 625 is like, were there 624 other Frollos on Twitter that I wasn't aware of? No, no. That's also, uh, again, my lack of creativity. Uh, I was like childhood nickname and then birth date. That's the quickest I could, you know, the quickest uh, handle I could come up with in order to jump on Twitter because when I first uh, signed on for Twitter. It was just so I could consume fantasy content, but at a faster pace. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into like my history of, of writing and whatnot, but there was no, I couldn't even at that time imagine uh, kind of where my journey would take me up until this point right now with you and I talking. So it's just, uh, I'm absolutely floored to be, to be on the show and to be doing what I'm doing right now. Well, uh, again, you, you, you're, you're carrying yourself famously, and uh, just keep it up. And, uh, you know, again, it, it, nothing would make me happier to see you, uh, you know, get some nice gigs. I, I, I saw that you had a really interesting article, uh, and honestly, it was a little complicated for my brain pan. Um, why don't you explain your last article? Give us a couple minutes on it the research that you did, and some of the big takeaways from your article. Absolutely. Um, so my, um, I guess my, my niche or area of, of study uh, within fantasy football is just looking at uh, wind speed and weather conditions and how they impact quarterback play. Uh, it was something that was really just born out of a question that I had had um, when I was just doing just casual fantasy football leagues uh, this past season. Um, I was very fortunate to be hand-selected by the uh, the fantasy hipsters, uh, Matt Harmon and Matt Franchise, to join their uh, fan league this past season. And while I was interacting with them, interacting with some of the, the guys that were within the league, I remember watching a number of the games and listening to some of the podcasts that are on just my general rotation and just leaving some of the some of the analysis that I got left me with a couple of questions just when it came to uh, when it came to weather conditions in a number of games that I had watched I remember just hearing well there's going to be high winds or I would see a number of folks on Twitter um, just tilting left and right because you could see videos of the field conditions you can see trash blowing or they show the flags over around the stadium where, you know, you could see the flags blowing in which direction. And then afterwards, uh, regardless of how well a player was uh, projected to perform, if anything changed 
just because of the weather, there was never really a, a large or at least a deep explanation. It just, to me, it seemed, well, uh, you know, the weather kicked up, there could have had, a, there could have been an impact and, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, so I had a couple of questions and I just thought that there might've been something deeper to it, or there might've been some correlation between those two things. Uh, so I started to, you know, just casually research a uh, pro football reference and then everything just kind of blossomed from there. And what were some of the key takeaways from your article? And you already mentioned it's on ffcouchcoast.com. And I'm going to make a suggestion to you. Um, I don't know if Twitter lets you change, but you might want to make yourself like Mr. Wind Conditions or something. You know, come up with <laughs> right. some cool nick, some come up with some cool nickname that kind of parallels what your key area study is. Because, uh, you know, I remember a couple years ago that injury guy. I mean, he got a lot of, on a lot of pods and. You know, when anyone ever wanted to talk about a chance of injuries, you know, they would immediately get this guy on. Um, just food for thought. So tell us a little bit about the article and give some thought to, uh, you know, tying, tying your name to who you are um, with study. Absolutely. Uh, so the last, uh, the last article that I, uh, that I was, that was published rather um, was my distribution study. Uh, so my first question, or actually one of the first questions that I received when I published my first article uh, was just, the, my first article was just looking at quarterback performance. Uh, but then obviously the corollary to that is, well, who benefits the most from a quarterback's, uh, a quarterback's play if they have to approach the game differently because of wind speed um, are, uh, you know, wide receivers that typically play out of the slot. Uh, do they benefit from it? Because you could tell yourself the story that if a quarterback has to uh, not, they can't do any longer passes, their yards per attempt has to drop back. So maybe a slot receiver could, uh, could make their heyday in those types of conditions or would a tight end, would they wind up having more benefit if you cannot pass to your outside receivers anymore or would a running back with good hands like a Gio Bernard, Theo Riddick, so on and so forth, would they benefit more from this type of weather condition? And so that, my, that's fascinating. My, I mean, that is fascinating. And what was the, you know, uh, we might have to have you on for a, a full Chris Allen pod uh, to go <laughs> deep into this, but uh, what was the key takeaway? Because, uh, you know, because now you got me interested. Um, in this particular, in the case that I studied, I chose the most, the highest of the, you know, in terms of elite running backs, I chose Leon Bell to look at this study. And in this particular case, I mean, the you know, breaking news, Le'Veon Bell is like highly used in the passing game, and he only benefits from high wind speed conditions. And the benefits, at least for, for me when I, when I conducted this research, was really seeing how much of an impact he makes like on, on his team like when he's out there on the field. There's, so much, there's such a high market share that he commands when he's out there on the field just in passing targets that the, to the entire offense shifts just from his presence on the field. It's a much, it's a much different looking offense when he plays versus when 
uh, you'd say D'Angelo Williams like had to step in for him, or any other running back prior to his emergence. So in this study, it did show that in those conditions, he actually does wind up receiving much more work in, his, uh, in the game just from wide receiver targets, making him a much more valuable fantasy asset uh, at, in those conditions. I, I love it. I love it. And I, I definitely, if I, if I forget, remind me, I want to have you back on and, and really delve into all of this because I think this is fascinating. I think it's a really great niche that you found for yourself, and I want to delve into it more. Uh, but for now, I think we should get into the key reason we're here, which is SFB7. Um, this is, is this your first time in the SFB? Absolutely. And I mean, my Twitter, I mean, my Twitter page was flooded after I, you know, released it to all my followers and it was retweeted. Um, But I was just absolutely floored. Uh, I had been, I mean, I followed Scott Fish uh, for, I think it has to have been at least the last two, three years. I've heard, you know, from all the animals that I followed, I'd heard of just this, this massive league that, that he runs, uh, you know, year in and year out. And I couldn't even fathom being a part of something like that. It just seems like so much fun and such a wonderful way to bring the community together with both analysts and just fans of fantasy football that, again, I'm, I'm just – I don't even care how far I get. I'm just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, you, you have these big-time analysts who rave about – you know, when they get their Scott Fishbowl invitation. I was so excited again to get mine this year, but nothing can replicate the excitement the first time that you're asked. So I'm really happy for you about that. What division are you in, and who are some of the key people that um, are uh, the key other experts that you'll be going up against? Yes, I'm in the I'm in Villains uh, Division, uh, specifically the Gaston Division, um, and some of the, the names in here, I'm going to be honest with you, it, I, I am, again, floored to be a part of this, of this league, and just looking at some of the names and the, and the sites that these guys write for, uh, I'm just looking at the, fir- the first one right off the bat that I've been following for years now, Andy Barron's from Yahoo, um, but then it's funny, at least for me, that I did not associate some of their Twitter handles um, with their work until I saw their Twitter API, uh, and then I recognized who they were. Like I started, you know, just searching and just type their names into into Twitter. I saw their AVI and I was like, oh, that guy. Oh no, like, I, I recognize. <laughs> well, one guy, I know his. Work. One guy who jumps out at me uh, in your group is. Uh, well, I know John DeBarry and uh, Darren Armani, Fantasy Mojo. He's the guy behind the Pros versus Joes competition. So it looks like you're going to really be in with some good and smart people. Um, what is your draft spot, and uh, what were your thoughts on the draft spot that you got? Um, I'm in uh, draft spot number seven, and for me, I think that's at least a decent spot uh, for for myself personally. Just the the way that I'm going to attempt to approach this draft. 
Uh, I found it somewhat difficult uh, unless I get like the first, let's say, one to five slots. I know who I'm going to pick in terms of either the elite running backs or elite wide receivers. And while one of those, you know, one of the elite wide receivers might still be available at number seven, I at least have a decent idea in terms of tiers who's going to be available after that. But at the back end, at the turn, I'm still trying to get a handle for how to take those selections. So I think seven is a, is a good spot for me to be at. Yeah, I like it. And one of the reasons I like it is because of the scoring system of SFB7. Um, I'll probably do a whole podcast with someone just on that. Um, you know, the key thing is that first downs have replaced um, – PPR, so it, you know it it, 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 it real, and there's a big bonus for tight ends. How much has the scoring system kind of changed the way you've looked at the draft, or are you know we're still a few weeks out? Have you even really dug into it yet? Oh, it's changed my approach. Uh, I'm a full 180. Uh, most of the leagues that I play in, either casually. Uh, or competitively, or whatever the case may be, uh, most of them either half point or full point PPR. So the devaluing of the wide receiver position in this case uh, kind of changes. It shifts how I how I view the board when, once my pick comes. And even last year, when I was a, definitely a proponent of the the zero RB method, uh, it's it's definitely while it's something that you could probably still apply in some way, shape, or form. Maybe I'm not entirely sure, uh, but it. But now my focus is now has to has to shift in order to incorporate some of these running backs that will be getting you those points for those first downs. Yeah, I think, and and, and because quarterbacks are six points per touchdown, and they also get points for first downs, I think that you're going to see a lot of uh, quarterbacks and running backs off the table early. And I think this, you know, the other thing that we're going to have to look out for is I think you're going to see a lot of runs on positions more than you would in a regular draft. Um, Last question for you, Chris. Um, Are there any things that you're looking for as the draft progresses? Um, Any other thoughts on being in the Scott Fishbowl? And, again, I definitely want to have you back on. Um, two things that come quickly to mind. Uh, first off is just the community, the fantasy community in general. Uh, my whole purpose in, in order to like of writing and of, you know, kind of putting my thoughts out there is to, to make my contribution because I see so many great writers and analysts like, like yourself and uh, anybody else that, uh, that I, that I follow, uh, well, I've been following you for a while. I've seen that shark ABI up on my timeline for for a while. Uh, but there's so many uh, great folks out there, and the only thing that comes to mind when I see that is I would like to make my own contribution. I would like to maybe shed some light on maybe just a small area that might provide some insight and might be able to help others. And I think with the, with the SFB, it only takes it to it takes it to I mean light years past whatever I could think of in terms of being able to help not only the fantasy community, but other communities as well through fantasy cares and things of that nature. So it's really turned me on to doing more 
uh, either community service or providing donations in that manner. So I think just this avenue right here is such, is such a great thing, and I would encourage any and everybody to make similar donations to anything this in the future. That, that's awesome. Um, well, again, <clears throat> I'm really glad that I was able to have you on. Um, you really sound like a smart guy. Why don't you give everyone, again, your very unique Twitter handle, and um, if you listen to the pod, please follow Chris on Twitter. Check out his articles. And when you do, copy me on it, at Todd, T-O-D, from F-R-O-M-P-A. I really would be very interested in seeing the kind of reaction that Chris can get out of uh, doing the pod and his good work on ffcouchcoach.com. Um, so go ahead, Chris. Give your information one more time. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Frollo625. That's Frollo spelled F-R-O-L-O-W, 625. And you can find my work um, at fantasycouchcoach.com. Awesome, Chris. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. You have a great day. All right. Thank you, Todd. Thank you so much. All right. All right. That was Chris Allen, and he did an amazing job on the podcast. I'm really interested in reading more of the work that he's done and giving him some props on Twitter. Um, I hope that you do go and follow him on Twitter. I hope you follow all the people who do these pods on Twitter. And, you know, what really makes this community great is the way that we can support each other and help each other to kind of accomplish our mutual goals. Our next guest is Ryan Kanya, and I've had him on the podcast, I believe, twice already, once on an individual pod and once last year for SFB 480, which was the sixth version of the Scott Fishbowl. Ryan, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How you doing, Todd? How you doing? All right. Glad to be back. <laughs> you see, you seem a little laid back today. Have we been drinking? No, no, not this guy. Just uh, getting late in the night for me. I get to bed early. Oh, I got you. Where do you live? I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, cool. So this definitely is not your first fishbowl, correct? No, my first fishbowl was last year in the uh, hashtag SFB480. That was, that was How did you fun... do? I did all right. I believe I finished 87th overall. And, uh, that, that's better than me, so I guess that's very good. <laughs> Let me say, there's definitely no slacks in the Scott Fishbowl. Everybody's no, on the no. game. Why don't you tell everyone how they can find you on Twitter and some of your work in the fantasy realm? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at RLKania80. That's R-L-K-A-N-I-A-8-0. And um, you can find my work at fscouchcoach.com. Um, it's been a minute since I've been an article of any, of any sort, but my dynasty and rookie rankings are posted there. You are a bit of a dynasty whiz. I'm in a league with you, and I am very impressed by your trading habits. <laughs> it's an addiction. <laughs> How many dynasty leagues are you in? Oh Lord, I think probably at least twenty. I mean, I'm to the point where I'm not going in any more roster management leagues, and I'm going strictly best ball anymore when I do a startup. Yep, and um, that's that's you know, and 
I joined one of yours. It was the first dynasty league I ever drafted uh, for fantasy football. And I really did, you know, it was like, okay, we're starting. And I'm like, okay, there's some weird rules here. I, I'm not familiar, and I drafted anyway. And considering how little time I spent really studying before the draft, I was pretty happy that I ended up in the money. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm glad you did, too. That's a pretty fun league. Funny thing is, that league also awards half point per carry and also yep. awards half point per first down. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I just made a big trade in that league to pick up uh, Jordan Howard because uh, not that my running back position was bad, but, you know, between the carries and the first downs, running backs are gold, and I trade. it was part of a trade for Jordan Reed. And uh, with his concussion syndrome, I, you know, I know not everyone likes Jordan Howard as a long-term top back, but uh, I thought it was a pretty good trade. And so we kind of segue from me to you and to SFB 480. Why don't you tell us about the division that you're in this year? Um, you mean not the SFB 480, right? I'm sorry, the SFB 7, yep. The SFB 7. Well, the division I'm in is the 2000s division, and I am in the Lightning McQueen um, division, I guess. So... And that was, uh, I got asked which one I, I wanted to be in. And I left it up to my three-year-old son, and he said Lightning McQueen. So that's where I'm at. Cool. In looking at um, that, you're in with uh, one of my fellow writers at Football Diehards, John Laub. Um, I see Nate Hamilton, J.P. Hurley, who's the guy from Dynasty Trade Calculator, Um any other guys that you're kind of keeping your eye on? Well, you see a guy listed here from Football Guys, Dan Hendry, so got to keep an eye on that. But, you know, my main worry is Nate Hamilton right now. He said he was going to be listening to this show, and he's positioned right after me in the 11th spot. So i got to be careful oh, what I leak out here today. Yeah, that, that's that's brutal. I think he wants to come on another episode, so – uh, you're going to get a chance to uh, re- return the favor and listen. So the scoring of S, you know, like you mentioned, that you've got scoring that is similar. You've played with some first down leagues. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the SFB7 scoring and how it tilts the positions? Um, the scoring is interesting. It's, it's not too wild or anything like that. I see six-point passing TDs, so, you know, that quarterback that rushes into the end zone doesn't get any more favor than the quarterback that passes into the end zone. So that that's something to take note of. And uh, it's the first time I really looked at volume of first downs because we're not getting awarded for the receptions here. And I didn't see a point per carry, did you? No, 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 I didn't, not this year. Yeah, I got I got really focused on the, the first downs and seeing how things go that way. So the way that I here. looked at the way that I looked at it was that you the quarterbacks get the point for passing for the first down too. Is that how you interpret uh, the rules when you're looking at it? That's what I noticed at first, but being that I have the leagues that set up uh, just points per first down and there's 
there's really no deviation to it. Those ones will award the passing, but this one will only award the rushing or the receiving first downs. So it does not award the passing first downs. Okay, that that that's a big difference. I didn't realize that. So that was a good clarification. Thank you. I'm going to look over at the league scoring rules for quarterbacks, running backs, rushing first down, receiving first down. You're right. I missed that the first time. Good catch. And then the other thing that's interesting is that for tight ends, there's 1.5 points each for um, rushing and receiving first downs. Do you read that? Because I know you know MFL 10, you know, M- my fantasy league a lot better than I do. You were helping me with my new best ball dynasty league with some of the setup. Um, I-, I think from based on what you've told me in the past, the tight ends are going to get 1.5 extra points for a first down on top of the one point. So 2.5. Did, did I understand that correctly or is it just 1.5? That, that's exactly correct. They're going to get 2.5 per first down, whether it's rushing or receiving. And since you've got someone from your league listening in trying to snipe your thoughts, why don't we keep it more toward just kind of an analysis of how you see that affecting the overall runs um, with quarterbacks not getting the first down point? I mean, in the first 12 picks, how many, how many quarterbacks do you think will go? First 12 picks, how many quarterbacks do I think will go? Um, I'm going to say three or four. Yeah, I, I still think even without that, that the quarterback position with the six points for touchdown passes, where everyone else's touchdowns are only five points, that's another unique thing that Scott came up with to torture us this year. I love you, Scott, but, it, you know, come on. Um, and the other thing is, um, you know, with that 2.5 points per first down, how many tight ends could you see going in the first 12 picks? Oh, I, I see somebody either going for Gronk or Kels. You know, that's going to happen. If not, yeah, you know, I, one of them guys are going to go early second round somewhere. The the really interesting thing to me, Ryan, is that, you know, my first impression was, well, with all these rules, wide receivers aren't, you know, quite as important. But you have to start three wide receivers out of 11. And, you know, so it really does create some interesting dilemmas. What are your thoughts on when to draft wide receivers? Um, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to hold off on drafting wide receivers because, you know, I want, I want an early quarterback and I want some workhorse running backs in my stable. I might even draft a tight end before I draft a wide receiver. That's interesting. And that was my initial take as well. And I, I, I see different people on Twitter <clears throat> talking about wide receivers and taking Beckham and Brown and, you know, the, the the usual first-round suspects in the first round, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, please do. I pick in the 10th spot. I would love to see, you know, those three or four wide receivers off the board because I just don't think in a super flex 
you can afford to take a chance of not getting your quarterbacks and your running backs. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you want a wide receiver with some red zone prowess and somebody who's also getting first down. So it's not like you want to go absolutely zero wide receiver, but at the same time, you don't want to miss out on these guys that are scoring at the top. Like last year in this format, the top wide receiver finished 33rd. I noticed that. And and then the other thing that I think is interesting is a way to, you know, <clears throat> typically you and I play a lot of best balls. Um, and, you know, you can normally find those hit or miss, you know, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, you know, there's other guys who fit that mold, um, you know, who can get you a touchdown on three catches, you know, four or five times a year. In this league, I'm starting to look more at kind of the Cole Beasley types, that third down possession guy who can get you um, the first down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a little bit later on, probably your wide receiver three or four, that'd be great. Yeah, that's that's what exactly what I mean. In other words, when you get into the twelfth to fourteenth round where you're you're typically looking for that high impact wide receiver in a best ball, I might be looking for a safety guy who's gonna, you know, catch five, six balls a week, but two or three of them might be first downs. So uh a lot of interesting strategy. I, I still haven't finalized my my position, um, you know, getting the 10th spot, I kind of feel like gives me the opportunity to at least get two of the people that I want. If And, you know, I, I, I think, though, in this draft, I wish I was kind of in the 5 to 7 range where you know you're really not going to get caught out on any runs. But it'll be really interesting to follow these drafts, and maybe I could have you back on um, during the season, and we can kind of review just how certain some of these strategies went, and because uh, it, it really is pretty interesting, don't you think? It is absolutely interesting, and just like you, I'm in the tenth spot, and I looked at some of my scoring, some of my projections. I think it's a very good spot to be, so no need to worry where you're at. Yeah, I I I, I didn't want to hype it too much, but uh, <laughs> you know I I do think that if you want a running back and a quarterback and get a high impact one with each one each of your first pick, there's a good chance you'll get one each. It's just yeah. a question of which one to take first and and who's staring at you when the board shows up. Um, oh, absolutely, I, I could probably list all. Um, <clears throat> all 15 of my targets for my first two picks, and nobody's going to stop me. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I haven't looked at it that closely. My free time, I've been doing a lot of writing lately, and I've been doing um, you know my normal amount of MFL 10s plus work, plus doing the pod and scheduling these. So, I mean, I took a cursory look, but certainly I'm going to have to do a lot more research before the draft starts. Are there any things that you're going to be looking at as the draft is unfolding um, that you think will, you know, possibly change your initial strategy? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's the same rules as I go by with any other draft, and it's in general. I, number one, watch my tiers and my roster construction, and I basically monitor all my opponent's roster constructions as well. So that way I can get a, a uh, look into what might be going next. Yep, and I think because runs are going to be a big deal, I'll mention to the public um, one of my key rules in drafting. Um, I, I find like if you do the, the FFPC best balls, you see a lot more runs like you're going to see um, in this draft than you would in, say, a regular MFL 10. One of my key rules is, you know, I would rather – reach a couple picks to take somebody who is at the top of a position than, you know, I always say it's better to start a run than to finish a run. You know, I, I, a few times in my career I've ended up at the end of runs and you take someone just because you'll feel like you're totally screwed if you don't have a quarterback or a running back. And it never works out well when you, when you end up um, doing a lot of, finishing runs so uh, that that's one thing that i'm looking for is that kind of what you're saying too yeah that is kind of my thing that's what happened to me last year in the fishbowl i just kept taking some of the top wide receivers i think my first four picks were wide receivers three of them being antonio brown jordy nelson Allen robinson yeah well that'll explain why you uh why you finished so well. That Jordy Nelson pick turned out to be awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, anything else um, that you have to say about the SFB7? And if not, um, tell us just, you know, if there's anything you're working on or that you're hoping to do in the fantasy realm that people should be aware of. Yeah, a coach reached out to me recently and he has me uh, evalu evaluating a lot of the wide receiver twos around the leagues. And I'm soon going to be doing a write-up on some of my favorite ones. Oh, that, that sounds interesting. Can you give the, an eager public a kind of sneak peek at some of your favorite wide receiver twos? And when you mean wide receiver twos, you mean wide receiver two on their own team, correct? Yes, wide receiver two on their own team. Like, uh, you know, one of my favorites is Emmanuel Sanders. You know, he's, I've always found him at a value, and he's always scored well. I mean, I've seen him compared in scoring almost on a yearly basis with Demarius Thomas. So there's, there's just one piece right there. Well, we'll have to check out your article to find out more. I don't know if you saw, but recently I had done an article on, you know, how often different positions scored 10, 15, 20, 25 points um, during the year. And, and what I found with Emmanuel stand, uh, Standards, uh, Emmanuel Standards, Emmanuel Sanders and Thomas was that Thomas was the 17th best point per game wide receiver last year. He's being drafted as the 15th wide receiver this year. 80% of the time he scored 10 points, 53% of the time 15 points, 27% of the time 20 points, and he didn't score 25 points or more at all last year. 
And what's real interesting, since you brought it up, was the 18th, right behind him, was Emmanuel Sanders, but he's being drafted as the 26th wide receiver off the board. He didn't. He wasn't as consistent as Demarius. Only 53% of the time, with 10% and 33% with 15 points, but he matched them at 20 points. Had 20% of his games at 25 or more, and 7% of his games at 30 or more. So they really did have very different roles. And Sanders has that big upside week to week. Yes. And, that, and by the way, Todd, that was a great article. I read that article. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you I'm liked it. <laughs> I'm a sucker for consistency. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that, especially, um, well, in, in best ball, you can kind of go either way, you know, but you always want at least somebody who's got a high-end floor out of each position. Um, and and Demarius certainly gives you that, and talk out of the camp is that they're going to try and get him the ball more, but, you know, talk out of the camp (laughs) doesn't always mean anything. So I'm looking forward to that article from you. Um, I have a ton of respect for you. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you again on Twitter, and I really appreciate you coming on and help us kick off these SFB7 podcasts. Well, this has been awesome, Todd. Definitely. The pleasure is all mine. Uh, you can find me at RLKania80, R-L-K-A-N-I-A-80 on Twitter. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Our next guest is Eric McClung. He answered my call to be on the podcast. He's the first person who, and he, he's the first person who followed up saying, hey, uh, when are you going to get me on? So I, slot, uh, I slid him into the third slot, and we're going to talk to him in a second. If you are one of the 25 or 27 people who gave me your name that you want to be on the SF7, SFB7 podcast, I am going to be trying to work my way through And I will give bonus points. I am going to try and do one either Saturday night or Sunday night. So if you're on that list and you're available Saturday night or Sunday night, the first three or four people who fill up the slot, I will – I think I have one person booked. But definitely contact me on instant – on DM on Twitter. And um, if not, I'll be going through the order but I definitely want to fill up the next podcast as soon as I can. Eric, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? I can. You have a very deep voice. (laughs) Fantastic. It's funny. You're Todd from PA, and I am Eric from PA. Ah, where in PA are you from? Uh, I'm I'm in the uh, Lehigh Valley. That's where I am. Where do you live? Oh, this is creepy. (laughs) I live in Bethlehem Township. I live in Nazareth. Oh, get out. Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> We're yeah, going to have my, to have lunch, I think. How about it? Yeah, my grandmother uh, lives in Nazareth. But, uh, yeah, it's so awesome to be here. I didn't realize I was the first to ask, so uh, I, I guess I'm just quick on, quick on the, uh, the trigger. Hey, you know, I was going to go. You know, I knew I wanted to give Chris and Ryan, I, because I had worked at FF Couch Coach, I was going to give them the first shot, and I was going to fill the third slot and, like, 
15 minutes before I was about to go and, and look for, you know, who was the first guy who contacted me? You, you DM'd me, and I'm like, all right, this is too easy. And, and again, my goal is to get everyone who, um, you know, I'm going to try and stay as close to the order as I can. I basically, the first 23 or 24 people, I told them they were in. I'm going to get them in. After that, I started telling people, look, you know, I'm going to try and get to you because I don't want to disappoint anyone. So uh, if you're in the first 24, I'll get to you. And, uh, you know, the order, it doesn't really matter. It'll be fun to do some of the pods once the drafts have started. The questions will change. I'm actually originally from New Jersey, and it's a funny story how I ended up being Todd from PA. I, I was calling in a lot on Sirius 88 and talking to Russ, Ross Tucker and Bob Papa, and I decided that when I, you know, was going to make my, you know, change my Twitter name that I – I wanted some consistency, but I've always kind of felt weird because technically I'm from New Jersey originally. I've only lived out here 10 years. How about yourself? Are you a lifelong uh, Lehigh Valley person? No, our, our parallels continue. Uh, I was born in New Jersey as well, born in uh, Flemington, New Jersey. Oh, I, uh, I grew up in Scotch Plains, so not too okay. far. Okay. Um, that's pretty cool. So, why don't you tell me a little bit about your fantasy football journey and the things that have led you to this point? Yeah, geez. Well, um, yeah, I've been writing maybe about nine or ten years, I, I guess. Uh, I've just sort of bounced around. If you remember KFFL, uh, rest in peace. Oh, They're, of course, uh, yeah. Are, are yeah, they still those, around? Uh, they were purchased by USA Today Fantasy, so a lot of the writers, uh, the main writers that were with KFFL are, are there. Uh, that was a, such an awesome site, and, uh, yeah, they – uh, I just sort of emailed them one day. I found myself on a lot of message boards, just getting into football debates and whatnot. And I said, Hey, you know, there's these websites that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll publish this stuff. So let me ask around. And, and KFFL was, uh, was a big favorite of mine. And I, I shot them an email one day and they said, sure. And, um, they really, really showed me the ropes. There's uh, some great guys there that, uh, you know, I owe quite a bit to, I didn't really know what I was doing in the beginning, but, uh, you know, some of their editors, uh, were, were just really, really awesome. They give you an editor? Wow, that's pretty cool. Hey, I'm uh, joking with my uh, my friends at Football Diehards. Um, hey, I just uh, I, I wanted to just kind of go back because KFFL was like the leader, and then they changed their site at some point, and that's when I became kind of a Roto World junkie. You know, I used to use KFFL for their daily news, but I found mm-hmm. that they almost had too many blurbs where I found that I could get as much out of Roto World with spending less time. So that that's yeah. kind of my KFFL story. Yeah, absolutely. That That's pretty much what put them on the map was the, the player blurbs and news. And, and Roto World uh, really perfected uh, and sort of ex- you know extended the work that, uh, that they did. Yep, so right now you're writing for Roto Underworld and Player Profiler. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those sites and then also tell us a little bit about what you've been writing lately. Yeah, I write for Numberfire as well. Uh, And, yeah, if you go to numberfire.com and go into the NFL section, I just wrote an article uh, about Carlos Carlos Hyde and Joe Williams uh, and and sort of the, uh, the, uh, the issues going on there within the San Francisco backfield. Uh, but yeah, player profiler uh, is part of Roto Underworld. They're, they're sort of together there. 
Uh, if you go to playprofire.com and go to articles, uh, I haven't written, actually, I have something coming out pretty soon. There was a really awesome uh, dynasty mock draft that uh, I just did recently with uh, Matt Kelly, who, who runs the site and also does the fantastic Roto Underworld podcast, which I was recently on uh, and, and had a blast doing that. Uh, but he put together a dynasty startup mock draft that we did with a bunch of really awesome guys throughout the industry. And I'll have an article on there pretty soon with a breakdown of that. Well, make sure that I get uh, I, I get that link. I definitely would like to, and maybe when you write it, maybe we'll we'll, we'll do. Uh, I'll be pretty busy with SFB pods, but would love to have you on to talk more about um, your writing and some of the things you come up with. I was going to say, man, if you just wrote an article on Carlos Williams, you're Carlos Williams. You're a detailed guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that'd well, be great to uh, to come on again. Yeah, and what's the uh, so what's your takeaway on the, you know because I own a ton of Carlos Hyde. I also um, really like Joe Williams' tape. So what's your kind of takeaway on that situation? If you yeah, don't mind I, me kind of uh, kind of uh, spoiling your article before it's written. <laughs> no problem. Well, yeah, the article is up, so you can go ahead and read it. But uh, I think oh, Hyde's cool. going to be fun. I think Hyde's going to be fine this year. Uh, I know there's been a lot of really, really bad headlines about Hyde, but there's also, believe it or not, there's also been some really, really nice quotes from Shanahan in regards to Carlos Hyde. And and really, basically, what he said is, uh, you know, good players are good players. And if you put a good player in one scheme, he should be successful in another. And he really doesn't foresee an issue with Hyde. And I know the contract is expiring and whatnot. And, and maybe San Francisco pays him. Maybe they don't. Um, I, I it's a, I can't imagine that they would franchise him, but you know, if he has a good season and he stays healthy, which, you know, health, health has, has been his big problem, but you know, if it all works out, I don't see why they wouldn't extend him. Uh, but you know, if they don't, I think, um, you know, I think Williams is, is a really good fit there. Uh, if not, so I, I think he's a pure backup. He's not a pass catcher. I don't think he's really much of a threat to, to hide for this year. I, I I mostly agree with that, but he's a dynamic player, and Mike Shanna, you know, I think everyone wants to kind of use the Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, and, you know, it, it's, a, it's an easy analysis to try and just plug people into their same spots, but I think Shanahan has proven throughout his career that he's good enough to get the most out of the players. He also definitely likes Joe Williams. So I do think that Joe Williams, I, I, I don't know that I agree that he's a pure backup, but I do think, I, I, I would say that I could see Joe Williams getting 125 to 150 carries. You're right, he's not a receiving back, but he, he's a game breaker. And a lot of times, you know, if a game breaker with that kind of quickness follows a more of a plow horse type that Hyde is, um, it can really open up some holes for some big plays. So uh, I, I like both of them, honestly. Yeah, I think it'll come down to how good San Francisco is. If they can stay in games, then, yeah, maybe they could do that platoon type of situation um, like, you know, like uh, like Freeman and Coleman. But, you know, if they're getting blown out, uh, you know, I think it's going to be hard to do. So it's it's really going to depend on how good San Francisco, you know, is. Yeah, and if if Brian Hoyer can stay healthy. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. In fact, on Twitter a while ago, I said, you know, you know, draft Joe Williams, but it might not be this year. <laughs> you, you know, uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think they will be better than last year. I think Chip Kelly 
just was a horrible fit last year for them. Yeah, it just, you know, he ran the ball. It just didn't matter how many points they were down. It was just, you know, run it every time. And it just, yeah, it just did not make sense. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, you know, uh, if you've ever heard the phrase jump the shark, I feel like Chip Kelly's offense jumped the shark for sure uh, toward the end of his Philly reign. And it was, uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty awful last year. So let's switch over to SFB uh, 7. How many SFBs have you been in before, if any? Yeah, I'm a newbie to uh, to the Scott Fishbowl. I, I became aware of it last year, but I, I believe it was right as he filled up. So uh, my fault there. But, uh, yeah, pretty thrilled to be. I got the invite. I was a day one invite, so that was a pretty thrilling thing. Um, so, yeah, I got to rejoice with all the, the Twitter crowd that, uh, that got in that first day. We all uh, got our, our Christmas presents early. Yep, um, I see some people I know in your league. Uh, Christopher Chung, FF Dynasty 101, he's a smart guy. Uh, Srikant Nanga, who I've had on the show uh, this time last year and who did pretty well, I believe, in the league last year. Jake Cielli from FNTSY. Are there any other people that you know that I might be missing from this group? Yeah, I saw Jake Cielli in there, yeah. Uh, no pressure there. Number 12 in Fantasy Pros Accuracy last year, number two in 2015. So, uh, yeah, nothing to worry about there. Uh, and also no. the Fantasy Footballers podcast. I, I don't know if it's all three of the guys or, or whatnot, or I don't know what the scenario is there, but they're in there as well. So uh, I've got the highly ranked expert in there and also one of the most popular fantasy football podcasts <laughs> around. So, uh, yeah, no, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. It's a good opportunity, though. You know, that's how I looked at it last year. And, uh, I, you know, like I said, I make the playoffs. I made the unfortunate decision to take Todd Gurley at 1-1. My, my mm. backup that I was thinking of taking was David Johnson. Not much of a difference between, their, between you know, their seasons. And then my <laughs> third pick, I, I was torn between McCoy and C.J. Anderson. Guess who I picked? Oh, <laughs> I can't stand C.J. Anderson. So, that's, so the uh, fact that uh, I made the the fact that I made the playoffs after completely botching those two picks was kind yeah, of amazing. Tough. So uh, hopefully I I, I don't uh, I, I I my strategy was right, but my execution was terrible. And that's one of the things I'm in sales and I work for this my first company I ever worked for. The guy we said plans are grand, execution is crucial. Well, I. Um, I crucially screwed it up last year. I also see Mike Jernigan in your division. So you've got a, 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 a tough division, but it sounds like you've got a really good head on your shoulders. You're picking in the 1-4 spot. How did you feel when you got that spot? Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of bittersweet because with this format, you know, with the points per, points per first down, I would imagine that it's going to be the, the, the big three running backs that go in some order, DJ bell um, and then Zeke. So probably going to miss out on one of those guys. So it puts me in a really weird spot because say all those wide receivers are available, available to me as, as um, you know, as you guys have been talking about Ryan and Chris and yourself, we're talking about how wide receivers are really devalued in this format. Um, you know, it, it really puts me in a weird spot. So uh, you know, what, one thing that I did is I went ahead and I looked, and this kind of 
I took a look at the, the top 32 performers week in and week out. And on average, quarterbacks took up nearly half, 15.1 uh, quarterbacks were the top, on average, were the top 32 performers within a given week in this format. So, you know, quarterbacks are, are just total money in this format, getting the, the full full points, uh, full six points per touchdown. So, you know, if, I don't, I wouldn't imagine anybody's going to And, and do- the fact that it's super flex. Right, exactly. Yeah, and the super flex puts a, a big stress on that as well. And, and with me being in that four spot, if that quarterback run happens at the end of the first into the early second, you know, again, I'm in a really bad spot. So uh, if nobody takes a quarterback first, second, or third, I, I don't know. It, it seems kind of crazy to do it, but um, it, it's tempting. Yeah, I, I got two words for you, Aaron Rodgers. Right, right. I've heard of that guy. Well, and, and, and to be honest with you, I think there's better than a 50-50 shot that one of the top three people take Aaron Rodgers, and you're sitting there with one of the running backs. I mean, maybe not 50% because everyone is, you know, Pavlov's dogs, and running backs are very valuable in this format. I think that – but I do think there's a chance, unlike in an yeah, well, NFL 10 where – Aaron Rodgers is one of the first three picks. Yeah, well, I can tell you, I'm in a in a, in a Scott Fishbowl mock draft right now, and uh, gosh, I wish I could give credit to the guy who put it together. But uh, I requested, I said, "Hey, man, if you could do me a favor and get me in the four spot, that'd be awesome." And sure enough, Aaron Rodgers did go third. So, you know, I, I think you're definitely on to something. I, I'm assuming that uh, it's going to go, you know, the, the the big three RBs, but. You know, it happened in the mock draft where Aaron Rodgers went third. It could certainly happen again. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, definitely got my head spinning. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about Scott twisting our melons with the scoring every year, which I think is awesome, is that, you, d- you know, you, you really don't know. And even if your draft is slower than other people's draft, it, it really was hard last year to kind of use what was happening elsewhere to predict your own draft. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be, yeah, I, I think with so many things going on with the super flex, with the tight end premium, um, you know, with, with these so many flex spots, you know, uh, you have to start 11, you basically get three flex spots where you can, assuming you're going to go two quarterback every week, um, you know, you could do a lot of different things. So, yeah, one draft to another could go very, very differently. So, um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be really poking around and asking what, what's going on in your draft or this draft or so on. I, I think it's going to be a pretty unique experience for everybody. And, and my memory was I thought there was only 20 spots last year and there's 22 this year. So he did adjust that as well. And he, he really does have um, – are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I just heard something weird. Sorry about that, folks. So um, that is uh, you know, some pretty good analysis. I would say my next question for you is how, how long are you going to wait for wide receiver? Any idea? I don't know. I th- I think you could definitely wait a while, and it's fun. It, I can't believe this. Is is uh, you were talking to Chris? I feel like the Russian hackers are in my computer reading my notes because I really like Emmanuel Sanders in this particular format. Um, if you take a look at 
uh, what I did is I, I, I took a look at the last three years and what the per- how many first downs wide receivers had accumulated within that three-year span and what percentage of their receptions were first downs. And it's a little variable, but with Sanders, he's a very consistent guy. We know, he's, we, we know he has uh, three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, but 60% in each and every one of those years, over 60% of his receptions have gone for first downs. And taking a look at the whole group that I ran this for, that's a pretty well above average number. Um, and he also returns punt. Do you need my and, email to send that to me? <laughs> I could do. I could certainly do that. Um, <laughs> no and pressure. He's also, no pressure. I'm teasing. <laughs> I would like also, it, but you know, no pressure. No problem. Uh, but he's also a punt returner. In fact, return. I'll come return. to Bethlehem. That's true. Yeah, I could. I could run it over to you. Uh, <laughs> I could. Pre- yeah, we could do like an old school uh, uh, sneaker wear exchange. Uh, but uh, he's also a punt returner. He returned 17 punts last year. And punt returns and kick returns do count in this format. He, he didn't score any uh, kick return touchdowns last year. But if you happen to have a guy that ret- this isn't going to, I don't think should really change your rankings very much. But kick and punt returns do count in the, in the Scott Fishbowl this year. So, you know, that's you another the little. Touchdowns. There's no points. Yeah, the yeah, the yardage. Yeah, the yardage doesn't, doesn't mean anything. But the touchdowns do. So that's, you know. So that's a, a little bit, you know, so don't, uh, you know, if, if you have a guy, uh, you know, don't go to the bathroom too early because, you know, that, that kickoff may, uh, may mean something to your Scott Fish, Scott Fishbowl team. You know, that's, uh, that's a pet peeve of mine, leagues that don't allow at least the touchdowns on the returns. I, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, a touchdown's a touchdown. Your guy gets a touchdown, you should get the points. It, it shouldn't matter that it's on a punt return or, uh, uh, but that that's just my my personal um, preference. I do want to ask you since we, you you brought up Emmanuel Sanders, any gut feeling on who will be the starting quarterback this year in Denver? Yeah, I mean it. It still seems like they're going to go with Simeon. Um, I think that makes the most sense. I mean he was he was fairly decent last year, and I mean for Paxton Lynch to. You know, really, I know he got a little bit of buzz the other day, but, you know, at this point, I don't know, I, I'm getting pretty concerned. Um, you know, he did, I think he had, what, one start last year, and it did not go very well awful. at all. Yeah it, it was, yeah, it was pretty bad, and, um, you know, and it just doesn't seem like they're uh, too enthusiastic. I'm I'm a little surprised. You know, they nearly traded, uh, nearly traded for Colin Kaepernick from San, you know, last year to get him away yeah, from San Francisco. So it's interesting that they've really had just no interest in him, you know, now in free agency. But uh, so I guess the, the ship has sailed there. But yeah, I think it's, well, I think I it's going to be Sydney and being blacklisted, right? I guess. I mean, that, that's a whole other, I guess a whole other topic <laughs> for, for a show that, that we could go there's on. There's a can on of worms. On. Yeah. But there's I mean, a can of worms. Yeah. And these tweets that he's, you know, he's not even like, you know, a top 20 backup or, you know, it's just, this stuff is just so, so silly. Um, well, that you know, was just stupid. I mean, you know, sometimes people get like, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, oh, do you really need attention that much that you have to tweet that out? I mean, it's just so asinine. Yeah. It's just sort of like, you know, I'll, I'll top your hot take with, with my own and, and whatnot. Yeah, with mine that was instead of filled with liquid magma, that take was just filled with hot gas. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> oh, one other thing. One other thing with with Sanders, just to show how much of a, a boost he gets in this format. Um, 
if you take a look at the default uh, fantasy, uh, the default standard scoring that Pro Football Reference uses, last year Emmanuel Sanders was the number uh, 22 wide receiver. Well, using the Scott Fishbowl uh, scoring, he jumps up to wide receiver 13 last year. So that, and, and that that's tied him. Yeah, and that tied him with Demarius Thomas. Uh, they scored uh, in this in the Scott Fishbowl scoring. They had the exact same number of points, and and certainly Sanders is going to go, you know, pretty significantly later after Thomas. So, um, you know, you're asking about you know waiting for wide receiver. I'm tempted almost just to wait for Sanders. If I could get if I could just load up, get my two quarterbacks, load up at running back, and then Sanders is my wide receiver one. You know, I, I think you could uh, I think you could do some some pretty good things with that. Yeah, I. Uh... I definitely have a lot more research to do on it, but those are some great thoughts. I love it. Um, any other tips or strategies that you plan on implementing based on the scoring? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to get into. I, I just sort of ran those numbers with the, the last three years and first downs. Um, just did that last night, just getting prepared. And, um, you know, one, one guy that kind of jumped out over the last three years, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, over the last three years, more than se- just over 75% of his receptions have gone for first downs, which puts him near the very top. So that's, uh, you know, I'm not crazy about Wentz. I'm not crazy about, you know, the situation in Philadelphia. But, man, if we could get Alshon Jeffrey for all 16, that's certainly not a, a sure thing. But, you know, in, in Scott Fish, it does, you know, if, what, what do you, if you mean, don't win. What do you mean we? I'm a Giants fan, buddy. <laughs> Well, I'm not. I'm not an Eagles fan. Uh, I'm just uh, talking about I'm, the, I'm the collective weight. No problem. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that's a little interesting. And and what I was saying, you know, in this in this in this uh, this game here, it, it doesn't really matter if you you know if you finish in in you know tenth or one hundredth. You know, you want to win. So you know, if, uh, if if Jeffrey's a guy that's falling, you know, I'm I'm a little bit interested there. Um, so yeah, it's it, and one thing I, I noticed is some of these. Uh, smaller slot guys, the, the percentage of first downs is pretty low. Like uh, Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry, Golden Tate, Jordan Matthews. These are all guys that are in the 50 something percent of their catches go for first downs. So, you know, some of these guys that operate, you know, low average depth the target target work close to the line of scrimmage. They're not really all that great for collecting first downs. Uh, they're going to get the volume, but the percentage of the receptions don't always, you know, aren't always going for first down. So that that was one takeaway that I, that I got from this. That's really a very good take. You know, <laughs> I wrote an article recently on football diehards um, that was entitled "Using Warren Buffett's Investing Strategies for Fantasy Football," and the thing that he always looks for when he invests, he likes buying distressed assets, but not any stress distressed asset ones that have a durable competitive advantage. Um, And to me, in fantasy, that's talent, right? And there's one, you know, right now everyone is down on Jeffries, and for good reason. But at a certain point, his talent passes, you know, it kind of his talent bakes in all the questions about his soft tissue injuries and Carson Wentz. And by the way, people forget how good Carson Wentz was in the first few weeks before Lane Johnson went down, my friend Joe Pano did an article on that. I forget what website. Um, that just how drastically the Eagles' offense fell off a cliff when Lane Johnson was gone. So I'm not ready to put Carson Wentz and in, 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 in Jeffrey in this category of 
you know, the bottom tier of quality and that offense in the bottom tier of quality. I, I think that there's a, a reasonable scenario where Alshon Jeffrey, if you're drafting him in a normal draft in the mid to late third round, which you can find him sometimes now, um, or even into the fourth round, that, that he's worth taking there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super crazy about Wentz. You're, you're probably—it sounds like you're a little bit higher on him than, than I am. But I, I believe he was—he was up there. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me for him, but uh, I believe he was—he was pretty up there in, in terms of uh, his past attempts. It was really just the efficiency that was the problem. So you know, adding Jeffrey, they added Torrey Smith. If there's anything left there, and, and Jordan Matthews, I think is always a you know a guy that's always underrated, pretty much on an annual basis. So he certainly got the weaponry there. You know, if, if LeGarrette Blunt, not that he's going to score a bazillion touchdowns like he did in New England, but uh, you know they've got uh, they've got him and Sproles. That's a nice little uh, you know nice little pairing there in the backfield. So you know there's certainly some some weaponry there where uh, yeah if, if he could just convert and extract some more uh, efficiency with with that volume, assuming it stays around where it was, then uh, you know you may have something. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting, but I do you know I do. Again, you know, rookie quarterbacks, as as it goes, there's nothing that made me think that Wentz was a bust. And the first couple weeks, um, he scored 22, 14, and 24 fantasy points. Week four was 19. Lane Johnson went bye-bye. And the next few weeks were 9, 7, 13, 13, 10, 17. So, um I, I definitely think a case can be made there. I, I don't know that I love Carson Wentz, but um, I'm not exactly ready to call him a uh, a goth. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. In, I mean, in a season-long redraft league where I'm only starting one quarterback, um, you know, if it's if it's him, if it's Brian Hoyer or, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll take one of those guys late. If they're good, great. If they're not, you know, I'll just hit waiver wire. I'll, I'll stream week to week, you know, whatever whatever it takes. Um, but, uh, yeah, and Scott fish, I, I definitely do not want to go into the Scott fishbowl with, with Carson Wentz. Um, you know, no, you, you, <laughs> you got to have two or three quarterbacks early in this, if you can, um, you know, you brought up Jordan Matthews, uh, you know, uh, be very curious over the last three years, how he did in your first down model. Oh, let's see here. Jordan Matthews. Yeah. He's, uh, now I did take some guy, this isn't like a, I'll just say I did take out guys that were like rookies or like barely played a season or whatnot. Um, so I did sort of kind of filter this down a little bit, but uh, in terms of the percentage of first down, Jordan Matthews is near the bottom. So out of the, the 35 guys here that I looked at, he ranked 32nd, um, just that's, 55. That's surprising. Yeah. Just 55.1%. Um yeah, that that bottom thirty-five. It's like I said, it's all, it pretty much it's all slot guys. It's Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry, Jordan Matthews, Golden Tate, and Jamison Crowder. They're all in the uh, the mid fifty-five percent of their receptions going for first downs. So, but by, that's a little yeah. surprising. You would think a slot guy would do better for first downs because typically you don't get the big yards per carry. Yeah, no, it does. Catch. Now it does change if I, if you sort it just by total volume, um, he does a little bit better. Let me see here. I'm messing around with this on the fly. So if you want to fill my dead air, I well, while you while you're looking, volume. I do want to correct one <laughs> one thing on the record that you said. Um, it, uh-huh. 
it was Chris. Uh, it wasn't Chris. It was Ryan who made the comment about Sanders. So I, I, I kept meaning to, to give Ryan the proper credit for the Sanders call. Oh, okay, my bad. Uh, no, it's not uh, bad. so here, but <laughs> but uh, by to- by volume of first downs out of these thirty thirty five guys I looked at, Matthews does a little bit better by volume. Uh, he has uh, in forty six games he has a hundred and excuse me one hundred twenty four first downs, so he ranks twenty second in that. So he gets a little bit of a boost if we're looking by the total volume uh, of first downs. Awesome. Well, I, I think we got to call it a day, Eric. It was really great having you on. Uh, look forward to following you some more on Twitter, getting to know you better. Good luck in SFB7. Any final words? And, again, remind everyone where they can find you. Yeah, on Twitter, at Eric McClung. Uh, go to playerprofiler.com. Um, again, you know, if, if you're into podcasting, and, and certainly you've got one in your ears right now, then you're, you're probably familiar with the Roto Underworld a podcast by Matt Kelly, which which is a great show, and I owe him a lot um, for uh, kind of where I am now. So uh, shout out to him, um, and also a number of players. He seems like a good well. dude. Yeah, Matt Matt's fantastic. I, I love sort of the adversarial radio, the the Howard Stearns, and uh, you know that that type of radio. And you know, I, I think we need a little bit. You know, he considers himself like a pro wrestling heel. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I haven't I love heard that. his pod. To be honest with you, I got it. Oh, <laughs> I, I have this weird thing. I don't like listening to too many. Uh, but uh, and normally I, t- I try and be the good guy. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, I, well, I, I definitely want to check him out. Yeah, I'll send you. Like I said, I was just recently on, so I'll send you a link to that. And uh, yeah, I'm just blown out. It really seems like we put this together that we're like practically neighbors. If you, if people go on Google maps and look at uh, Bethlehem to Nazareth, Pennsylvania, we are. Yeah. This is totally bizarre. uh... My, my daughter goes to uh, leading edge martial arts in Bethlehem. So I'm over there all the time. I'm at it. Wow. Yeah. No, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. I I think my barber, I think is right next to that. That's, (laughs) this is a, and my chiropractor is not far from there in Nazareth. So, well, I better Uh, go. Um, I could probably talk to you uh, for the rest of the time here, but I always like to lead out with a song, and I've picked a song that I really like for the SFB7. I think I'm going to be playing it. It's an old song by Peter Frampton from Frampton Comes Alive. It's about a breakup, and it's just a beautiful song, and I'm going to be playing it at the end of every SFB7 podcast. Lines on My Face by Peter Frampton. The first SFB pod is in the book, folks. Thanks for listening.
Raise a dream. 